What's up, everybody? It's John. Thank you so much for downloading the Rock Tape Podcast. Today, as my guest, I've got Dr. Jamie Moore. Now, Jamie has actually an interesting story with the podcast here. It is uh, Jamie who has kind of the lost podcast episode. And the reason for that is I had interviewed him last fall and different circumstances occurred in my life and I wasn't able to really dedicate a lot of time to the podcast. So I never got a chance to actually launch Jamie's episodes. So what we have for you today is a great conversation. Jamie and I talk a lot about young practitioners and students and some of the ways that we have learned to really treat our patients as individuals. Jamie has a wealth of experience with sports medicine. He has a wealth of experience with athletes and the general population. So he's a great listen and he's got a wealth of knowledge for us today. So again, thank you so much for downloading the Rock Tape Podcast. And without any further ado, here's Dr. Jamie Moore. Let's rock. Right. All right. I am sitting here with Dr. Jamie Moore. He is a PT teacher mentor nerd. Jamie, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I got at, at the start, I, I gotta tell everybody this story. You are the lost episode of the rock tape podcast so <laughs> last year 2020 we shouldn't invoke its name but um you know what happened happened uh i kind of i my you know being a teacher my schedule got really hectic because i had to like make all my stuff online and i had to do all that you know it'd be it, a lot of people were like yeah it was more chill on my side my side i was one of those people that got got more hectic so like I didn't podcast through most of the summer. And then as I, we got in the fall, I had you on, we had an interview and everything like that. I still got it. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, some pretty bad circumstances happened in my life and I just, yes. I kind of stopped. Uh, I didn't do it. It wasn't a priority for me and I never got the opportunity to launch your episode. So I have to apologize for that. Uh, Man, I, will it's okay. I will never stop apologizing to you for that, by the way. <laughs> That's just the kind of person I am. I always feel a little bad about that. That's but, all right. That that podcast came at a time, right, when life was different and life was weird. So obviously things are in a way different place right now. And Yeah. Well, that, that's what's interesting is, you know, talking back to you back then, this was October, November last year, uh, you were in uh, at a certain point and everything has kind of changed for you within uh, yeah. a, a, almost a year now. You are now out on your own. You are back in the East Coast. You were in Texas. You moved out to Philadelphia now. Let, tell everybody yep. where you're at right now. So I, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I was in Texas for three years working in the sports performance, pro elite sports performance world. Um, and then look, COVID happened, man. And I think COVID messed up a lot of people. And so it was really hard for my fiance. Well, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my fiance. Um, so a lot has happened. A lot has happened in the last year. Um, it was hard just being so far away from family and you get to a certain point point, you start to look at what's important in life. And for us, it was the decision to be closer to family. Texas was our family's from the Northeast. So about an hour and a half away from us here in Philly. And so, you know, being in Texas, a three hour flight, it's you know, five hours all said and done with travel and everything like that. Mm -hmm. and it, we just didn't want to do it anymore. So we turned 30 where she and I are both in our thirties, you know, we're entering this new chapter in life where we're kind of not seen as little kids anymore. And what was important to me a couple years ago and to us a couple years ago has changed. And so for me, it's been flexibility and the ability to kind of control my own schedule and see family when I want to choose to see family, spend time when I want to spend time with friends. Um, 
And so it's, it's, it's been nice growth. It's definitely been a change. It's as we were talking, it's been a process starting up from scratch and building a business, which has been fun in itself, but I am, I am a new man starting in a new place. So it, it's, it's been an awesome journey so far. And this is only beginning. Where are you originally from? I'm from uh, Southern New York, New Rochelle, New York, just North of uh, Manhattan. So what brought you to Philadelphia specifically? So Philly, I think for me, there were a couple pieces being from New York and working in the New York region. I worked in Northern New Jersey as a PT. I think it's a very saturated market for us, unfortunately, as movement professionals, because there are so many people packed into this little small area. And while that's great for the profession and it definitely drives the prices up and people can definitely make more money. It's, it's not always that fun to be, you know, a hot girl in a group of hot girls or a hot guy in a group of hot guys. Right. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to be someone that was in an area where there wasn't a lot of people doing what I do. And so there aren't a lot of performance physical therapists in this area working, you know, PTs working on running mechanics. I'm working on acceleration, top end speed, change of direction with this, you know, giant turf spaces uh, versus, you know, in New York, it's there all over the place and they're always performance specialists whereas in this kind of philly region which is still in the northeast and still gives us a city feel there's not as many performance physical therapists the market isn't as saturated and we're still in you know a very densely populated area with tons of youth athletes and tons of uh of people doing fun things and not to mention, I couldn't be too far from a, from a major airport, right? When we travel right. to teach, I didn't want to be 45 minutes away from a major airport. So thankfully, we're about 20 minutes from the airport. So when I get, to, when I get out to travel, it's really nice. And most importantly, when I come home, it's really nice because I get off the plane with my carry-on and I'm home in about a half hour, which is beautiful. It's funny you say you used 45 minutes as a, as a example of a length of time that is long from a major airport. And I'm in, this, <laughs> I'm in Chicago land. So depending on when I fly out on Friday, right. 45 minutes is 45 yeah. minutes is good. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing, man. You know, uh, there's a lot of people listen to this. They're new grads. There's a lot of people who are getting back into it. I told you my story, you know, I'm kind of yeah. getting back into the swing of things with full, full time, uh, practice. Um, you know, it's, it's that, I hate to say hopeless, it's that hopeless feeling. It's like, oh crap, what do I do? You know? So I'm yeah. interested in your process, you know, like how, one, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, you chose an area where not a lot of people do what you do. That's good. That's great. That's awesome. How do you figure that out? You know, where, what do you do as far as like, kind of like your market research to be like, this is a good place for me because I'm unique. Yeah. So it was, and I think to backtrack before that, I think for all of us, we all want to be as humans. We want to strive to be unique. I think most of us, well, I don't want to say most people, but a lot of us. Yeah. Um, right. And so for me, like I said, I, I wanted to be able to not just be another one of someone else. And so I wanted to, I figured if I'm going to start my own business, I'm going to, you know, be my own boss. I don't want to be I want less competition. And so I think just like you said, you have to do market research. And so for me, it was, we started to look at cities and areas and regions, um, by major airports, right. Within that kind of 30 to 45 minute vicinity. And then started to look at first and foremost, we started to kind of figure out and start to knock some places off of our list based on quality of life and things like that. More importantly, when we went to, when I started doing business, um, demographic work, 
I started to Google, I was looking at, you know, uh, searching sports, physical therapy, uh, performance, physical therapy, sports specialist, movement specialist. Uh, and so I started in that network first in that realm. Then I went into the like gym area. And so I started to search gyms, different performance style gyms. Again, coming from the background that I come from, I know what I'm looking for. So I, I wanted to find an area that had turf spaces available that had um, indoor outdoor turf potentially i wanted to find a region where we can you know it was densely populated with uh, athletes period so in this region it's you know there's a, a ton of youth athletes there it is a hotbed for um baseball players and soccer players and field hockey players lacrosse is huge around here yeah. so i wanted to find a, a region that had a lot of something because obviously more athletes there are the more likelihood there are for injury that's just natural and normal and so then after that i started to look at kind of the density of non-traditional healthcare professionals and non-traditional medical professionals uh, knowing i think when we look at our market and kind of the trends that have been happening in, in sports medicine, really, period, uh, the, the, the prevalence of direct access and less access to physicians, right? Physicians don't aren't as big as a stakeholder in the kind of movement world as they used to be. And right. so seeing are there other chiropractors, are there other massage therapists, performance specialists, athletic trainers, occupational therapists, acupuncturists in this region that, again, I could build a really good network with and that I could kind of relate to and other people who do similar things, but not the same thing. And that ultimately landed us in the, in the suburbs of Philly. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's a hard thing to really get into. And, and you sound like you did a great deal of, of research really looking into uh, all the stuff that's out there, like this is the smart thing to do for anybody who's an early practitioner or trying to start out on their own. Like you, you, you got to put the effort in. And I know I, I'm, I'm at fault with that too. It's like, it's just so much out there, it's right? So There's much, so right. many possibilities and it could be frustrating too. So you, we talked about, you know, you're looking to be kind of the unique individual or practitioner in your area. What makes you unique? What 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 is uh, differentiating you from other people that treat the same way? That's a fantastic question. <laughs> um, so, look, I, I I have made it my mission in life. I hope if nothing else happens, um, this is the one thing that I'm hoping for with my with myself as a professional is to really try to redefine the term sports medicine or sports performance or performance physical therapy in the physical therapy world, uh, because uh, I've been fortunate with the uh, experiences that I've had and the relationships that I've been able to grow and build. Uh, I worked in physical therapy and outpatient physical therapy and, and the prevalence at which we see orthopedic injuries in the youth and in athletes period and return them to sport without the adequate training. I think is, is a problem. And so, so many times, me, myself included, friends of mine, we discharge athletes back from injury, right? And the easiest one that everyone can relate to is an ACL injury. Yeah. And how many times have, have people been released from an ACL injury without truly understanding and truly going through the correct movement progressions of crossing over and linear and lateral change of direction? I, I think most people have no idea what that even means. You know, if I talk to people about change of direction, you know, everyone automatically just assumes like some cone drills. Right. 
but there are drills that should proceed just like everything else, a cone drill, right? And so if we think of a squat, we're not just going to go get under the bar and squat. There are drills that proceed warming up, preparing for a squat, training for a squat, be that adequate ankle mobility, adequate hip mobility, adequate, you know, hinging at, you know, uh, positive shin and, and torso angles, all of these things that we look at that I think as movement professionals, we're really good at where the line often gets blended. And I feel like it, it, it shouldn't is, is in the movement, the field work world, you know, there's no reason that, you know, if I'm in a sports therapist working with an athlete coming back from a lower body injury, there's no reason that I shouldn't be trained enough to understand how to teach an athlete, how to properly accelerate, how to properly decelerate, how to properly cross over lateral, you know, shuffle, lateral move direction uh, versus a crossover step and understanding the different movement prerequisites for those things. And so for me, where I differentiate myself and it, it started happening a couple of years, probably two years ago, as I really tried to, you know, I was blessed with the opportunity to work uh, for a company called Exos. And yeah, I was blessed with the opportunity to work um, alongside some of probably the best performance coaches in the world, not even in the region. Um, and, and I was able to learn so much and it started to just open my eyes. Like how many times have I discharged an athlete and never did these things? So I really kind of made it my mission to, to make sure if I'm going to train an athlete on progressions from a squat, be that day one for, to a goblet squat, to a, you know, one rep max back squat, I better be able to progress an athlete on the field from a march, from a wall drill to marching, to skipping, to bounding, to, you know, linear acceleration and absolute speed. And so for me, that's really where I try to differentiate my skill is that I, I definitely place emphasis with injuries on recovering in all aspects, especially in the athletic population. You know, I, I think that's an interesting thing to get into because I've always I've always had the debate in my mind, and I'm curious with your specialty and your years of experience with regards to the term sports medicine. So in, in general, like right now, how is sports medicine defined? Not how you would define it, but how is it generally defined, you know, in, in, in the population now? I think realistically, if we're talking the realistic term sports medicine is a synonym for outpatient. At this point, and it's, it's a synonym. It's the same thing. If I, sports medicine and physical therapy is on every single PT chiropractic office wall that you can imagine. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I'm getting is the, the, the term itself, bastardized, whatever word you want to use, it's, it's almost become meaningless in a way yeah. because many of us are doing what a lot of people see as sports medicine. And, and it's weird because I think sometimes the definition almost kind of either pigeonholes us or it actually gets people to not necessarily look towards us as right. helpful is like, Oh, well I'm not an athlete. It's like, well, but I can, I can still help you. You have a movement dysfunction. You have an orthopedic right. dysfunction. You have, you know, whatever. I, I, I was very curious when you brought that up because I've always thought that, and like I teach a sports medicine class, that's what it's called. And if you look at my notes in the textbook, it's like, this is just a basic rehab construct, if you will, maybe right. basic, but basic construct 
it's orthopedics. Like it's orthopedics, but now we're talking about it with athletes. And what does that mean? It really just means, and you tell me your opinion on this, it really just means that you're going to have people with probably more impactful injuries, more traumatic and acute injuries. And then when it comes to more chronicity, uh, just more repetition possible overuse. It's a little bit more right. severity, I think. Yeah, you know, and it, it's it sucks because I think it's a great term, but it, it's it's oversaturated market with that term, and so right that becomes the problem. And so, so what do we use? A sports specialist, a performance, right? So now that the trendy term is a performance physical therapist, right? Because it it shows that I can or a performance specialist, performance therapist, because I, it delineates i bridge the gap from performance to to physical therapy but that's also a, a bad word because it doesn't really define what we do yeah so you know and then look you have additional certifications as a sports specialist i've met so many sports specialists that pass the test that don't have any idea how to work with you know athletes and all those things so right i think it's especially in today's world with the prevalence of social media and these guys these phones everywhere we go Everyone just wants to be buzzy and wants to, you know, kind of have their, their term that they utilize and sports medicine is just, it's, it's just so overplayed. And I think just like you said, it's, 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 I mean, it's synonymous with outpatient orthopedics at this point. Yeah. It's, and like that, that takes me into when I start to see other practitioners discuss like, Oh, this is a sports injury or somebody, you know, you see this a lot in athletes and stuff like that. And I I don't know, maybe I'm getting on, maybe I'm getting on my pedestal talking about, I think the way that we use these terms starts to kind of ruin some of the generalization that, uh, that we have when it comes to treating the individual, I think too, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, how many people have tennis elbow that comes from, sedentary not, lifestyle sitting at right. a desk at a computer not tennis. it's like yeah. not tennis right yeah yeah no and and right we we try to sp- we try to sportify things because it's sexy it's yeah. cool and it, it you know it's it's funny because people then come see me and then i athletes i don't know professional athletes come see me and i kind of then almost like reverse have this conversation with them that's like actually like this doesn't matter like we're still going to treat it as if you're not an athlete we just need to understand the associated progressions that you need to get back on the field but it doesn't matter that you play football or soccer an ankle sprain is an ankle sprain right and so understanding the basics of orthopedics is it doesn't matter who you are you got to do it right when a post-op acl comes in to see you or you know a post-op hip arthroscopy comes in for physical therapy day one is day one day two day three week one week two it doesn't matter who you are post-op meniscus repair um it's you know schedule the body is the body healing is the healing and that doesn't change and so right i think it's it's how can we make ourselves sexy in sports medicine tennis elbow golfer's elbow it's lateral epicond it's lateral epicondylitis like let's yeah. call let's call it what it is you you put a brain on your logo and you say sports practitioner and you're gonna get just a ton of people right <laughs> that's that's it i heard a statistic uh somewhere i i think it was i think dr cobb put it out there somewhere but um if you like the percentage of of, of clicks you get when you have like a brain in your logo or something like yeah. that it's like i mean we're not making fun of it i don't want like 
I'm so middle ground on just about everything. You know, there, there's a purpose for it. If you, if it's, Hey, if it's helping you get in front of people and making money, then I can't fault you for that. That's what we're at all. Right. There is a huge part of our practice that we have to make a living. Yeah. But we are also helping people. I think our point, you can reiterate this too, Jamie, is that, you know, we have to not necessarily let us as practitioners pigeonhole ourselves into that kind of thing. It's like, I'm not going to have someone come to me with medial epicondylalgia and be like, Oh, you know what? I, 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 I see that a lot with athletes, but you're not an athlete. So that sounds ridiculous right. saying it out loud. So it sounds you know, silly. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I love that we got into that because I've always thought that is just the term itself is it's almost just kind of a cliche trend, if you will. And again, I'm not faulting anybody for using it. Use it. That's fine. Put it in your, right. in your, in your practice, but it's about individualization of, of the, the practitioner of the, of the patient. You know, like they're an athlete, yeah. they need to get back to this. They're not an athlete, but they want to get back to this. That's where you're right. going to focus, right? And, and look, not to coincidentally to tie this together, but I think in, in Rock Tape, we teach this all the time. And it's probably one of my biggest, anyone who's ever taken a course with me, I say it like a hundred times a weekend. It's the end of one concept. Yeah. And so I've gotten bashed by professionals that are like, ah, there's no research to prove that. And I'm like, that's fantastic. But to my patient, what exactly? got, oh, oh, whatever I'm doing, whatever, like, oh, whatever, yeah, I'm, okay. yeah. <laughs> like whatever I'm doing with the patient, people look over and they're like, that's ridiculous. Did you make that up? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Based on principles of things that I've put together. Yes. I've made this up. And yes, this patient just got better. Oh, uh, well, you know, that's ridiculous. There's no research to prove what you're doing. You know, the old, and then we get the classic saying like, why broke it? If it's, or why fix it? If it's not broken, you know, it's worked for all these years. Why not use it? And so I, I th- it's the same thing. It's the end of one concept. It doesn't yeah. matter what name is on the door. It doesn't matter what fancy schmancy title you put or alphabet soup after your name. Yeah. It's, it's whoever's in front of you. And as long as you're treating that person to the best of your ability for what's going on, eh, it don't matter. Let's get on that because I, I like that. This is something I that I, I often will have come at me, and I don't I don't pull punches uh, if somebody comes at me. So the the idea that you just just said right there is like, hey, I just you know I tried something and it worked, right? Well, there's no evidence that it's well, like that. I I don't get that train of thought, and I love evidence. I love research. Yeah, we should look at it. We should always. Be paying attention to the people who do the research. Reading Google does not mean you're doing research. Um, We have to also appreciate we have certain training and understanding of anatomy and physiology and then further specialization with manual therapies and exercise. Why wouldn't it make sense to come up with something based on your knowledge of physiology and try it with the person. And then you see it works. There's your evidence. Is there sound, you know, N of 500 right. testing out this tech? No, maybe not. But that, but that doesn't mean it's bad. And, and again, anybody listening, yelling at me right now, <laughs> I'm not saying that we shouldn't have evidence and we shouldn't do research, but if you're, working with the N of one, you're working with that one individual, you have knowledge of anatomy and physiology, you know what they need based on your assessment process. It's okay. We say make things up. And that's, I think that's what people, they jump on. Oh, you're just making it up. I'm like, I'm making it up in the sense of I designed a protocol 
for this individual. That's what I mean by making it up. Because I've had people do that. They're like, you just make up exercises? Like, no, no, no. I design a movement that's specific to their case to improve what I want to improve, right? Right, right. I think the term making things up gets this like negative connotation when in reality, everyone in our movement world made something up to have it be the thing that we do. You know, we have you know, the Sarman, you know, Shirley Sarman and all the Sarman progressions or McKenzie or Mulligan. These these people literally made stuff up, made schools of thought up that all of a sudden we're learning. Look, rock tape was all of the, you know, FMT education was made up at one point and it's been researched and now it's taught. That's it's it's based on something. That's the thing. That's where people hear made up and they just just completely it's focused on that. And they make the weird assumption. This is a weird assumption to make is that when you use the phrase make up, it's not based on anything. That is ridiculous. Why would I base a decision on nothing? You, I don't Which even is, think you can do that. It's so funny. So uh, I was this clinical instructor. I've been a clinical instructor pretty much my whole career. So five years now, I always have you know students in various points in physical therapy school. And any student, really any movement student at all, we get the same question or the same statement from everyone coming out of school. It's the biggest thing that I struggle with is my exercise library, right? My vast knowledge of exercise and the one thing that I always talk about, and it's really the way that I treat, I don't, and oftentimes I forget stuff that I've come up with yeah. made up. Um, but we, we, I think you look at the person, you say, you say, you work backwards, say, okay, this person's lacking dorsiflexion, hip flexion, hip internal rotation. How can I make an exercise that is going to address all of these things from a basic level, potentially on the ground, right? Wide base of support, low center of mass, okay, maybe I'll do some kind of half kneeling thing. Then all of a sudden, I'm going to try to challenge the body a little bit more. Maybe I'll elevate from the ground. Maybe I'll narrow the base. And then you just start to put pieces together and then you add external load where necessary. And now all of a sudden you're making, making exercises up. When yeah. There's no reason, like this isn't a made up thing. No. It's not, we're just, we're just like you said, we're essentially following a pattern for the exact human being that we're working with based on our under vast understanding and knowledge of the nervous system, the musculoskeletal system and the demands necessary for this human to achieve the necessary goal, which is down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, if you look at other professions and crafts, there's elegance in the quote unquote, making it up. Um, want somebody in our, in our, in our field, um, uh, David Butler, uh, of the Neuroorthopedic Institute. Uh, yeah. He said in, in uh, The Sensitive Nervous System, great book um, about uh, you know nerve flossing techniques and, and a lot of it about pain as well too. So I highly recommend that. But one of my favorite parts in there is he's going through a stepwise process for you know nerve tensioning sequences. And he makes a point to say that everybody's different and you might put tension on the median nerve from the shoulder to the hand, but some people you might not have any symptoms be provoked. So why not try going from the hand to the shoulder or tweaking the external rotation with someone or tweaking the, uh, the sequence and making it a little bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, different for that individual. He calls it going jazzy. And I love that. Not a huge fan of jazz, I call it I call it riffing, honestly, because I'm I'm a metalhead. Yeah. It's just 
going jazzy is that elegance and and it really is making it up and it's not in a negative way of i don't know what i'm doing so i'm just going to make it up it's i know what i'm doing and i'm going to make it up based on what i already know about this individual so i i, I love that i love this conversation maybe, because this maybe is we should use the maybe we should change the term and use like i think if we were using as music like in music right improvisational right instead of yeah I'm right like I'm improvising, right? And it sounds less like I'm making shit up, but I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm improvising. And yeah. that's really what's right. That's what you're doing. No, and I, I think it's interesting because, I, man, I've heard it so many times because I've always been someone that's yeah, outside the box, thinking outside the box, trying new things. And I've heard it from so many people that, are, that, that say like, well, that's not researched. You can't, you can't prove that to me. So therefore it must be irrelevant. And I've seen people just follow the same train of thought, right? Every ankle is treated exactly the same. Every knee is treated. This is called cookie cutter, right? And people try to say like, no, it's not. I do things different. Like, no, just because you do a fancy exercise with somebody, if everyone does the same thing, it's just a fancy cookie cutter. It's still a cookie cutter. So I, I think anybody who does things that are non-traditional we all improvise all the time. We have to. It's what we do when we, you know, I, I go and I plan to do a rear foot elevated split squat or a Bulgarian split squat with somebody and there's a problem, right? I have this plan written out of exactly what I'm going to do. And for some, and it happens to all of us, something goes awry. We improvise on the spot. We create an alternative that's going to create the same goal. That's essentially making something up. Right. And so I think it, it's funny because people here making things up and, but we all do it on a very regular progression and regression. It's making stuff up on the spot. It's, yes. And it's, so, it's day to day. You know, yeah, I say always. this, I say this to everyone I teach. I say your patient is a different person the next time you see them because there are different variables. Now you've treated them once already. Are they better, worse, or same? They're usually one or the other. It's very rarely exactly yeah. the same. Also, what if they had a bad day? What if they had a great day? And the first time you saw them, they had a bad day. There's so many factors. And and, and again, I have to, because just the way the world is today, I have to always reemphasize this is I love research. We need it. It has to be there. The evidence is there, but there are some things that you can't necessarily put into a study. There are variables that can't you always can't. be tested. Right. So, you know, research is best done when it is very, uh, I wanted to, I wanted, I was going to say sanitized. It's just not the right word, you know, controlled Contro when it's yeah, very controlled, controlled. there's it's certain parameters. So it's repeatable. Right. But out in the real world, when you're dealing with someone's unique physiology, there's a lot of variables that come into play and you're not always, I'm not saying we're always going to be correct. Too. Right. Yeah. You and I don't have it completely no we don't have all, all the right. answers we're just saying research <laughs> research does not so this is a real a real life scenario you actually we're talking, I, i'm gonna you have a post i'm looking at your instagram feed you have a great post and i think this is what you're getting into is evidence-based doesn't mean just being up to date on research right 100 percent. yeah yeah well ish yeah um <laughs> but, but right it's 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 understanding through skill and through past experience and so Right to the to that point, I, I'm working with an athlete, potential first round draft pick in the NFL draft. Right, so nobody except for this 
select group of 32 men that go through this every year, understand the stress and pressure of what it's like to have, be pre-pegged as this first round draft pick. All this money coming at you, all these endorsement things, all the, the spotlight, your life changes instantly. So you finish college and all of a sudden you're going into the NFL draft. Nobody should feel sorry because that's not what I'm saying, right? It's, it's an amazing blessing to go through this, but I'm working with somebody. You have these prior orthopedic issues. You're just like everybody else. You have human anatomy. Everyone knows that mental health is at an all-time high conversation and we're more aware of mental health right now than ever before, which is a beautiful thing. Agreed. Look, I'm, rehab I'm rehabbing someone and they come in that day and they look at me and you, I can instantly tell something was off, right? I was like, hey man, you don't, is everything okay? Like, and I, we walked aside away from like everything else and we just had a conversation. I was like, look, man, is everything all right? Like, you don't really, you know, you look kind of out of it today. And his response to me was my anxiety is at an all time high today. I don't know why, but I am just very anxious. And immediately my response was, Dude, so let's do this. Let's ditch the plan that we had because what's more important is from past experiences, what we know is that you're going to have a really bad session if we try to do this. I know you're not going to have a good one because you're not focused. Or possibly you're not going yourself. to achieve, right. You're not going to achieve the goals. You're going to be rushing through things because you just want to get it done because of your mental state right now. Let's do some low level mobility, right? Me, I I'm going to go some nervous system stuff. I'm going to try to downregulate your system. We'll try to do some parasympathetic nervous system activities. And I told him, I was like, bro, we're in and out in 20 minutes. Watch a couple videos on your phone, stay on TikTok, right? Keep yourself occupied 20 minutes. We'll make some changes and then go. He was like, what about my workout? I was like, just go home. You're not feeling well today. I'm going to tell coach you're not feeling well. You had a stomach ache. If you don't want me to tell him why, that's between the two of us. But research is never going to tell you how to handle that situation. Just like you said, what happens if your patient gets into a car accident on the way in, right? If someone's failed a test, right? A college kid failed the test comes in to see you. We, we research cannot teach us how to do those things with regards to the musculoskeletal system. So, right. It's, it, it, it's not always just reading the paper that's in front of you. Sometimes it is being up to research is understanding current trends, having past experiences and knowing how to handle situations or trying to handle situations. And I think that's where it kind of gets wrapped, wrapped all together. It's like, we, we should understand what is the current evidence of what's going there with a, a conglomeration of all of the evidence that shows us this is what works best. Okay, cool. That's not working for my guy right now or my gal right now. Hmm. What other factors do I need to consider? And I think that is the point that we're both trying to make is yeah. there are a lot of variables you can't just research out that will come into play. And you said it beautifully, especially with the, the, the current topics in sports today is the anxiety. That's a great example, too. It's like you take... Yeah. Like how old are these, these, these guys that you're talking about for the draft? 20, 20, 20, 21 years old, 21 years old. You're being given the world. That's a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. And some, some people might be like, Oh, these could they love it. They got it. like, maybe sure. But you don't know for sure. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I've been given certain opportunities in a very, very small scale compared to this. And it's a little freaky sometimes. Yeah. Right? And I challenge anybody to tell me that you are thinking straight and seeing straight and moving at your best 
when you're stressed out and anxious. If you've ever been pissed off at your home and you cut the corner of the doorway too short and you slam into the door frame and you cuss out the door frame, <laughs> you try to tell me that your anxiety yeah. has nothing to do with the way that you move, right? It's right. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, we, we just need to pay attention to those things. And so we, Dr. Cobb does an amazing job. Um, I integrated kinetic, uh, therapy or neurotherapy. It's, I, I love nerding out on some of these brain things all the time because they're such, I say it to people all the time and we hear it all the time. The brain is always in control. So anyone who, you know, is a outpatient sports medicine person, I air quotes for anyone who's just listening. Um, right. We have to remember that there is always a side of neurology that's involved. The brain is always involved, right? We think back to all of our nervous system knowledge that we learned in school that we just threw out because we said we wanted to work in outpatient orthopedics. The amount of times people have told me I'm crazy and have just rolled their eyes at me when I talk about sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which is very basic. In the sports performance world, they're like, get out of here with that nonsense. And, uh, you know, it's the response is always what the brain is always in control, right? If you're trying to utilize this periodization concept where we're trying to implement power and we're trying to prime the nervous system to prepare for the activity, but you're, we're going to respond and say that parasympathetic or sympathetic response or activity is out of control. So I think we all need to remember those things and that this is a human being. It's not just a slab of meat. Right? There are tons of things, past experiences, and past experiences could be what happened five minutes ago. Anyone who's ever gotten into a fight with their significant other, we all know what that feels like. Right? And then five minutes later, you're, you feel bad or you're still heated and you're not productive. You get in the car, you start cutting people off, you get the road rage. It's the same for what we do on a daily basis. Yeah, it's just a, another aspect that we got to take into consideration. You do a really good job on social media of really – you know, putting up some, some very profound posts, you know, you, you like to talk to young PTs, you take the, like to talk to young practitioners. And one of the things that you posted that I really like recently is just, you, you know, when somebody becomes your patient or client, there's that transfer of trust. And I think there's a really important aspect to that, that people need to understand is we're not just mechanics. You know, I'm not saying we're psychologists or counselors, but there is a bigger components to working with someone, seeing them frequently, putting your hands on them, knowing about their health history. You know, how do you, how do you really help yourself to establish that trust with the people you work with? So for me, I think the biggest thing that we need to do as professionals better is remember that process of transfer of trust. And what I have always found to be successful for me is creating relationships with humans. And that is ultimately what we do. That's what we all do for a living. It doesn't matter what you do. You create relationships for a living. And I, I, need, I understand and need to understand that a person that is going to come and see me is most likely in a slightly vulnerable state. They're probably injured. They're probably dealing with something. They're probably dealing with a lot of things because with injury comes N degrees of totally things that are going on. And for me, it's all about being able to just explain I'm an over-educator without being over-scientific. So I like to just explain, not word vomit, but I like to always explain what's happening and ask if there's questions, right? Check for understanding. Hey, look, before I put my hands on someone, I'm going to explain, this is what I found. This is what I'm going to look to do. 
please give me some feedback and let me know if you feel something different. So all of a sudden, if we're trying to build trust in someone, a, a patient or a client is learning that they can trust me because I know what I'm doing. I'm explaining to them the process. I'm saying, hey, look, this is what you're going to do. And this is how we're going to, this is how you should feel. If you don't feel that way, let me know. 99% of the time we get the, pros, the proper response and that helps to build trust. But if you don't get the proper response, you immediately have set up the conversation for a patient to say, that doesn't feel right. And then you can also have a conversation why it potentially isn't feel right, feeling right, what could additionally be going on and vice versa. I think when someone comes to see us, they're coming to see you because you're the expert. And I think that gets lost as a young professional. A lot of us get nervous. And that's why I love to kind of provide information to young professionals that are kind of struggling because I was, that was me. And I didn't have education and I didn't have knowledge and I was trying to find it and I couldn't find it. So I, whenever I post things like that, dear young PTs, dear PT students, that is quite literally me talking to myself seven years ago giving myself a piece of advice that I wish I had. And, and I think that's exactly it, right? We need to understand that it doesn't matter whether it's day one on your first job or day 50 or 50 years in the profession. It, it does, you're still the expert and you still need to help the person in front of you. So yes, as a new grad, you don't have as many tools in your toolbox. But by passing those certification exams that allow you to practice safely, you have enough tools to not, be, to not hurt someone. So you still have the tools. And so where people get lost, I see oftentimes is we forget and we forget that we're still the, the expert. You might not be as big of an, look, I'm not as big of an expert as Adam Wolf, who's been doing this for forever and is amazing at what he does. But that doesn't make me any less of an expert with my experience and what I've learned and grown with. I can only use what I have and the knowledge that I've been given so far in my career and so I think we need to remember to share that information with our clients so that they can trust us. It's the only way that we're going to grow. And that's ultimately how we help them get better. If anybody's ever been to, and I've definitely been, you ever been to like a mechanic and you're not really quite sure or a barber shop? Oh, this is the worst. When you go to a barber shop for the first time and the barber turns you so you can't see the mirror and the mirror's behind you <laughs> and you have no right? There's no trust in that scenario. And you're freaking out the whole haircut. Like, I just want to see how this looks. It's the, it, we got to think it's the same thing with patients. If we're not helping keep them informed so they can understand what's going on, they're going to be freaking out the whole time. It's, it's something that we talk about with our active courses is, is teach, touch, move. And years ago it was flipped. We said, touch, teach, move. And it was very important to us to put the teach in yeah. front of touch because we should be telling everybody what to expect what we're doing why we're doing it why it might work why it should work why it might not work so that they can understand that too you know it's that that relationship is really important like a lot of things we're talking about right now some of those you know intangibles those variables that you can't necessarily put into research and that aspect of, of connecting, you can't teach that in school. It's very difficult. It comes with experience. So if anybody, right. if anybody's a young practitioner listening and they're, you know, like, how do you do that? How do you do it? It comes with experience. And that's the worst part. You're talking about talking to your young self. I wish I could have calmed my young self down and been like, it will come. 
Build yeah. your foundation. Take, trust to, it. Be be in your class. Learn what you need to learn. Don't be sitting there going, I need to learn this. I need to learn this. Why? Well, because this guy out there with 20 years experience says that he likes this and I need to go to those seminars. No, learn what you need to learn now. Be right. in that moment. Be good at that. And then trust that once you gain more experience, you're going to get better at that too. It was interesting you mentioned that. I, uh, I was listening to a, a lecture over the weekend. I didn't actually look into the research, but it was just pointed out by the lecturer is that um, when the practitioner is not competent in their skills, like they come in and go, oh, hi, hi oh, you're here to see me? Oh, let me, let me see if I can help you. Like if you're just not confident in what you're doing, the, the patient outcomes are actually worse. And I, th- I found that oh, yeah. to be fascinating. Yeah, it's it, right? I mean, yeah, I've, it's one of the first questions. And it's funny because I've moved so many times. I, I have always had to find a new barber. So I've gone through this. And one of the first questions I always ask a barber is, how long have you been doing this? And a few times I've gotten the, you know, just six months. Man, all guard goes up. I'm. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to be happy with the haircut because I just, you've only been cutting hair for six months. So, right, it's, it's, it's inevitable. And look, if you've been doing it for six months, you still have to have the confidence that you've been doing this for six months. You have six months of experience. It's uh, yeah. Just trusting the process. Really. I, so many, so many students just want to be there. And the only way to get there is to f- trust the process to get there. You can't just show up, stick a flash drive in your head and just, <laughs> I wish you could, but Soon, it, man. Not, <laughs> yeah, maybe one day, but right. Uh, that's just not how it works. No. Yeah. That, you're, you're totally right. Uh, that's a, that's a big thing for young practitioners to really understand. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not wagging my finger at them. I, I didn't know that coming out. I wish I knew that. None you know? of us did. Yeah. It's hard. It's tough. Yeah. It's uh it, it's definitely a challenge. And so to any student that's listening, just trust it. Just take your time, just get experience, get relevant experience. I tell the easiest analogy that I can give is because we've all heard it is with basketball. No, I wasn't a basketball player, but it translates to any skill, right? You need to take X amount of free throws to get good at shooting free throws. And so students always ask, you know, when they're finishing up clinical rotations, how do I get better at this? This is what I suck at. My response is always, well, how did you get good? Right. People, ah, I stink at the shoulder. Well, how did you get good at the knee? Well, I saw a lot of knees at my last clinical. Okay, so to get better at seeing a shoulder, you have to get your reps in. If you want to get better at shooting free throws, you need to shoot free throws. So it's just like anything else. If you want to be a better therapist, going to a weekend course and getting more tools in your toolbox is not always the answer, right? It's just getting repetition of seeing a knee. I, uh, you know, I will... I'll take a fatherly position for a second here. You and I both teach weekend courses. I will also say this. If you want to get good at what you're there for, go work on everybody in that room too. You know, I see this a lot and I've been, I've done this myself sometime in the past as well too. It's like you do the one thing that you're broken out for on the one person you came with and you sit around, you wait for the next thing is go work with people. You're right. It's a skill. What we do is very much a skill. You have to get better at it. You have to do it. I, I say this to my to my students a lot too. Is I show them a new thing, or you know, uh, somebody tries something for the first time, and they just they're not quite getting it. I'm really like, okay, have you ever done this before? And they're like, no. Then don't be mad at yourself that you're not getting it. Nobody does anything perfectly the first time. You might get lucky, yeah. but that's not really the same thing. 
So like, I, uh, that, that's a really important thing to point out. I have a, it's a, a funny call usually when uh, students I've worked with and I've worked with tons, um, again, new grads, especially <clears throat> I get phone calls day before the first day of work, you know, getting a new job. And always the question I get is what advice do you have for me? And so I tell them, be prepared that tomorrow is going to be your worst day at work for the rest of your career. Every single day you are going to get better. You're going to learn and grow. You should feel like you suck tomorrow because you do suck at your job tomorrow because you've never done it before. So take tomorrow, grow, learn, know that it is not going to go the way that you want it to go and just continue to get better every single day, which is it's, it's repetition. It's, it's a skill, just like any other skill, just like everything that we do. The only way to get better is to keep doing it. Love that. Love it. That is so apropos. It is perfect. I love that. Uh, we all got to remember that with everything too, you know? Yeah. Uh, with it, life. That's yeah, a life it's, trick. It's That's life. not even a movement professional trick. That's a life trick. Yeah. I mean, we, I can jump on that too. I was talking to my, my son right now, six, and he gets mad when he doesn't do everything right the first time. And I keep talking to him all the time. He's like, buddy, what do I always tell you, man? How do we learn? You fail. You fail. You do something wrong because then you can learn. If you do everything perfect the first time, you can't learn anything, right? You got to remember that. I, I try and to always you, remember And then when you fail, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you got to uh, mitigate certain failures, stuff like that. I understand what some people might be saying uh, about that, but lear learn from it. You know, and when I say fail, I don't mean like something blew up or something like that. But No, right. <laughs> hey, well, some right, people, no. maybe you're a chemist. It did blow up. That's fine. Right. In, in the science <laughs> experiment. No, I, look, I, I take my own, I have to take my own advice. I remind myself that all the time I'm starting a business. And so just like everyone with everything, we always go in with preconceived notions that things are going to be easier than they are. Oh, it's going to be easy. I'm going to see X amount of people and they're just going to be, can't, they can't wait to see me. That never happens. It's not the case. And so we need to remind ourselves just like everything else. We need to learn from these experiences and these opportunities and grow. Again, it doesn't take research to do that, right? We just need to learn and continue to learn and grow. And that, in fact, is going to give us the wisdom down the line. Yeah, yeah. Look at everything, study everything, practice it. Yeah. Right? That's the hardest Repetition. part. <laughs> That's the hardest I gotta part. I got to work? Damn it. <laughs> it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to show up. Oh, yeah. if only, right? That The USB in the... The in USB the in the head. It'll come one get day. that. Eventually. I would learn it. I would learn like ridiculous skills if that was the case. I would. Oh my gosh. I would know every language. I would know how to do handstands and juggle upside down and yeah, <laughs> fl fly airplanes. It'd be so cool. Oh man. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be just a fun episode to just go over with stuff that we would download to our own brain. <laughs> just different things that we would do if we could. Outside of our profession, obviously, we want to get better at yeah. this. But it's like, what would I want to learn? And then, okay, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I would probably pick some obscure, abstract Olympic sport that I would never be good at. Trampoline? Yeah. Gymnastics. Forget just any gymnastics. I don't know if I could download on my hardware <laughs> i don't i don't think that's possible i that's true I, I don't know how you feel personally i think gym, gymnasts are the best athletes in the world uh pound for pound, pound, no for question. pound 100 uh and i will fight on that but um mostly because i married a gymnast but <laughs> but like 
it's just amazing. Uh, that kind of software, I don't think I, I don't think it would work on my hardware. You, you, nope. need, you need good synergy with both those things. My hips don't move on enough to do that. <laughs> my vestibular no. system doesn't like it. Ah, yeah, that too. Oh, that would screw me up. Yeah, being upside down that many times that quickly. Oh, I, just, I couldn't. I couldn't spin that fast. I'd puke. My kid wants to uh, spin me. I was like, okay, you get one spin. <laughs> That's it. Because I can't do this. <laughs> All right, sir. Jamie, tell, tell us, uh, are you teaching anytime soon? You're going to be traveling? Are you doing any webinars? I I am. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I've been thankful. I know this sounds terrible. I love, I'm, I'm an extrovert by nature. The webinars, I love the webinars. They're so much fun. They are so much harder for everyone who comes in and sits on. We've all done Zoom at this point and everyone that keeps their screen off and I tell a joke and nobody laughs and I don't even see Silence laughing it. faces. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> so I love, I'm so happy that we're back in person right now. And I taught um, early, two courses earlier this month in person and it, it was it was awesome. Everyone's super respectful of each other's wishes, especially with regards to, you know, kind of COVID and everything that's going on. And I, we did a really good job and everyone's very cognizant of, you know, making sure we, we maintain space and there's tons of cleaning things. So I'm so happy that we can be back live, but yes, the first second weekend of October, I'm back in uh, Cummings, Georgia. It's right outside Atlanta. Yeah. So I'm excited, excited to be back on the road and, and get back over there. I was just there uh, earlier in August teaching uh, tape. I'm going back there for blades. So Same it should place. be awesome. Same place. Oh, I, I love going back to the same place. Honestly. Yeah. You feel I like gotta you get, I get you the trifecta and everything. Yeah. 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 I'm teaching, uh, I taught tape, I'm teaching blades and then I'm teaching pods again in December. So I'm excited about that. At that same place. Same place. See, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to throw it out there too. I said, I tell this to every host that I go to, if you like doing this, you like hosting, call uh, Jody or whoever yes. and, and schedule the whole year. Yeah. Because you get you get your people certified, you get good turnover, you get good exposure as well too. Right. And honestly, there's a couple places I've been to four or five times. I love going back to the same. It's place. so much fun, right? It's you great. See the same people, yeah. Yeah, you have your routine. You know, like where to eat and stuff like that. You oh, probably that's the don't best even part. need directions when you drive around. It's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, it's just easy, <laughs> right? You know where to go get coffee. You know all the little tricks. That's the most important part, right? Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> Last last time I was down there, the coffee shop Starbucks was a seven minute walk from the facility. It was fantastic. Nice. That's yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Got a nice little leisure walk at lunch. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So you can be down in Georgia. Are you doing any online stuff soon? Uh, I I do not. I have nothing online booked. I am all in person. I'm in Georgia. Great. Um, and then I'm getting married, so I, I'm taking a, a little bit of a hiatus. And then I'm I, I'm teaching again in Georgia. When's wedding? Uh, beginning of November. Super excited. Nice. Excellent. I tried, I tried you... to convince her. I tried to convince her to work for rock tape because we had a rock tape position open recently, but my fiance was, uh, was not about it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I told her she'd have the time of her life. She said, rock tape is your rock tape is your thing. Let's not, let's, let's not mix. Uh, that's fun. That's family room. and, uh, <laughs> and work. You getting married back home? I know we're going international because it is impossible. It was impossible to get a wedding venue in the United States in 20 so hard because of everything that got rescheduled last year. So, so like everybody who had to be pushed back is kind of like, okay. Yeah. See. And the, those that were available, it was like a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. And we were, we were in the, we did not want to do that. No, we're going to, uh, we're going to Punta Cana. We're going to the Dominican Republic. Cool. 
very yeah, cool. Never been out that excited. way, but obviously heard it's beautiful. So me, me either. So it yeah. should, I'm hoping it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. We've never, never seen it in person, only pictures. Uh, I mean the Caribbean in November, it's probably right. great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be snowing and raining and cold. So don't jinx yourself, man. Uh, yeah, I, I should knock, <laughs> knock on some wood. Look, if it rains, it's okay. It's still paradise. It's paradise it rain. Well, like you've, you've done the Mexico trip a couple times, right? Yes. You know, we've done that. And like, when it rains down there, you're on this resort. It's like the most beautiful rain ever. Right. It's like, it's, like, oh, it's raining. Who cares? Let's go to the pool. Right. <laughs> yeah. It might as well be raining money at that point. You just don't care. You're like, oh, it's rain. Okay. I'm going to go sit by the pool. And if I get wet, that's fine. I'm in the pool. Yeah. Well, but like everything's open too. So you're under, yeah. you're under a, an awning. Right. It's just the sound. It's just perfect. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Dreams. Dreams. <laughs> Jamie, where can people find you on social media? Uh, social media, I keep things on brand. I keep it super easy. It's just Dr. Jamie Moore, J-A-I-M-E-M-O-R. I spell both of my names funny. That's all right. Um, but that's it. Everything is, I like to keep everything super simple. Are uh, any website to uh, direct anybody to anything like that? Honestly, I'm looking at your Instagram. You got all the links up there as well, too. That's the best place to go for most people. I think. That's that's the best place. I've got all as as everyone says now, link in bio. Um, but no, my website for anyone who wants more information, uh, drjamiemore.com. Again, I keep it really easy. Uh, education stuff. I try to keep up there. Uh, any kind of upcoming seminars, courses, webinars, things like that are usually posted on there. But usually I post everything on, on Instagram. That's kind of my, uh, my major hub. Tried to get into the TikTok thing. It wasn't for me. Uh, yeah, I can't. It's I too hard. My mind I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to lie. It's too hard. I, I, you didn't jump on the pun of your name there. You said anybody looking for more. Like uh, that's, a, yeah. that's a t-shirt, man. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> I've, I've done it so many times. I'm over my own pun. So I oh, you've like, already done <laughs> Yeah, more. I, I do it so much, so many times via text when people text me M O R E and then I asterisk M O R. You know, Shante does her more spelled M O A R. So, yeah, <laughs> she and I've she and I've joked around about that tons of times. And yeah, I, you can only hear your puns so many times. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. You you like your brand only to an extent. Yeah, <laughs> and my brand's my last name, so I guess I'm stuck with it. <laughs> there you go, man. Jamie, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. I'm so glad we are uh, finally getting you. Uh, yeah, on, John, on absolutely. Podcast, getting you out there. Excited, excited. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Free time, man.